0: Hello, Notorious Bakersfield listeners, and welcome to another episode. Just a reminder to follow the Notorious Bakersfield podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Pictures related to this story you're about to hear and previous Notorious Bakersfield stories are posted on those social media pages. Also, if you enjoy this podcast and would like to show your support, you can buy me a cup of coffee or two. A link to do that is in the show notes. The case I'm going to talk about on this episode was suggested by a Notorious Bakersfield listener. I vaguely remembered the story, but had forgotten most of the details. Once I started researching it, wow. Yeah. On the evening of November 21st, 1992, three members of the Kammeyer family were discovered brutally murdered in their home on Gibson Street next door to the Bakersfield Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals. The dead were 50-year-old John Cameyer Sr., his wife Alana Kammire, age 49, and their son, John Allen Kammire, age 24. When the pieces to this murder investigation began falling into place, three teenagers, including a family member of the deceased, were named suspects the Kern County Sheriff's Office announced a fantasy role-playing game may have been to blame. This is Dungeons and Dragons and Triple Murder. John Jerome Camire Senior lived with his wife Alana Camire and their two adult children, 24-year-old John Allen Camire and 19-year-old Scott Camire, in a house next door to the Bakersfield SPCA on Gibson Street. Camire Senior was a board member of the SPCA. From what I understand, the nonprofit organization owned the house the Camires lived in. Camire Senior and his family acted as caretakers for the facility. Camire Senior was self-employed as a barber. He owned and operated Stockdale Old-Time Barber Shop on Easton Drive, behind where Circuit City used to be. His wife, Alana Camire, worked for the Kern County Tax Assessor's Office. Scott Camire, the couple's 19-year-old son, their youngest son, had graduated from high school and was going to Bakersfield College. He was only taking courses in art, and his parents wanted the young man to take his education more serious. Scott's behavior was becoming more of a concern to his parents. He and two friends, Billy Wayne Smith and Joel Henry, would play the fantasy game Dungeons & Dragons endlessly. It became such a concern for his mother, Alana, that she expressed her worries to a co-worker. Alana said her son was addicted to the fantasy game. The youths were inseparable. Their every waking moment was spent together playing this game. They'd play late into the night, either at the Camier house or one of the other boys. I'm not real familiar with Dungeons & Dragons. I've known people who played it, and that's about it. My understanding is that Dungeons & Dragons is a fantasy-based role-playing game where players create their own characters. These characters embark upon an imaginary adventures within a fantasy setting. A dungeon master is chosen who serves as the game's referee and storyteller. Dungeons and Dragons games can sometimes last weeks or months or a year or more. That's about everything I know about the game. The young men's physical appearance couldn't have been more different. Scott Kameyer was about 5'11", while Billy Wayne Smith was 6'8", and weighed 340 pounds. Joel Henry was the shortest of the three. He was 5'5", and had a thin, slight build. In the fall of 1992, the young men felt their friendship was being threatened. Joel Henry's family was planning to move out of state. The trio felt such a move would pose dire consequences to their lasting friendship. Dungeons and Dragons is a fantasy game, but these players decided to turn imaginary into reality. They merged the two realms to come up with a solution, a solution that in their minds would allow their mutual friendship to live on, no matter what their parents did. Authorities later claimed it took the three friends about a month to come up with this plan. Just like the game, they chose a dungeon master, Joel Henry, to devise this scheme. He was the referee. He was the planner. Scott Kamire and Billy Wayne Smith were the play characters. Joel Henry chose who played each role first step in this now-reality game would be which player's family needed to be eliminated. The Kamaier family was chosen because they felt the Kamaier family had what the trio needed. Money, weapons, and transportation to escape the consequences. They selected South America as their destination to live out their friendship uninterrupted. On Friday afternoon, November twentieth, 1992, between noon and 2 p.m., 24-year-old John Allen was lying in his bed in the Camire house on Gibson Street. Without warning, the 6-foot-8, 340-pound Billy Wayne Smith stabbed John Allen in the throat. A struggle ensued. Smith then beat John Allen into unconsciousness with a pull cue. He was stabbed several more times. Uncertain he was dead, Billy Wayne Smith strangled John Allen to just to make sure. A few hours later, around 4pm, Scott Kammeyer called his dad at the barber shop. He told Camier Sr. that a toilet was broken and was flooding the house. He needed to come home right away. When Camier Sr. entered the bathroom off the master bedroom, Billy Wayne Smith stepped out from another bedroom and shot Camier Sr. three times with a shotgun. Camier Sr. died where he fell. Next on the hit list in this reality game, was Alana Kammeier. When she came home from work and walked into the master bedroom, Billy Wayne Smith shot her five times with that same shotgun. Alana fell into the bedroom closet and died. During the ambush killings of both John Kammeier Sr. and Alana Kammeier, Joel Henry, the Dungeon Master, the architect of this plan, waited in the SPCA parking lot next door. Each time a Kammire came home and entered the house, followed by the sound of shotgun blasts, the Dungeon Master knew his plan was being executed. With the Kammire's dead, now the friends needed to make their escape. They looted the family's house of clothing, food, and cash. You might be asking yourself, how much cash did they get? Authorities would later determine the trio stole a grand total of $185. The young men then loaded up Kammire Senior's pickup with their loot. They made it to a Riverside motel where they spent their first night on the run. They slipped across the U.S.-Mexico border the next day, Saturday. While they were in Mexico, they had some kind of traffic incident. Something happened. They got into some kind of fender bender or something, and they had to pay $70 to get out of that situation, whatever it was. If you're keeping track of the cash and doing the math in your head as we're going along, you've probably figured out that after paying for a motel room and paying $70 to get out of that traffic incident, That left the fugitives with well under $100, probably not enough to get to wherever they were going in South America. About 24 hours after the triple murders, a Kammire family member discovered the grisly scene on Gibson Street. Investigators needed to work fast. Whoever was responsible for this triple murder got a 24-hour head start. I should mention here, this was the second triple murder to occur in the Bakersfield area in almost three months. Back in August of 1992, three members of the Volpe family were murdered in Rosedale. I covered that story in uh, an episode titled Rampage in Rosedale. So after questioning the Kammire family members, Detectives learned Kammire Sr.'s pickup truck was missing and Scott Kammire, the couple's youngest son, was unaccounted for. When they learned who Scott Kammire's closest friends were, Billy Wayne Smith and Joel Henry, and their whereabouts were also unknown, authorities began getting a clear picture of who all might be suspects in this triple slaying. On Sunday, two days after the murders, a family member of one of the young men, I don't know who, was contacted. The fugitives were in Mexico, but they were low on, you guessed it, money. This family member arranged to meet the three at a Denny's restaurant in National City in California. This family member then notified detectives of the arrangements. Authorities were waiting ...for the three young men at the restaurant in National City. They were arrested about 2 p.m. Sunday without incident... ...and later transported to Kern County. When deputies first interrogated the suspects... ...Joel Henry and Billy Wayne Smith... ...tried putting all the blame on Scott Kammeyer. But the physical evidence at the crime scene... ...contradicted their stories... Eventually, all three admitted to investigators the roles they played in the triple murder. Prosecutors charged all three youths with special circumstances for multiple homicides, murder during a robbery, and lying in wait. During their arraignment in Kern County Superior Court, all three denied the charges. The special circumstance charges made it possible for prosecutors to seek the death penalty if a jury convicted the suspects. With one being 19 years old and two being 18, if they were convicted and a jury sentenced them to death, they would be Kern County's youngest criminals to be sent to death row. More than two years after the crimes were committed, Billy Wayne Smith was the first to reach a deal with the Kern County District Attorney's Office. The six foot eight- inch man who played executioner in the three slayings pleaded guilty in exchange for a life in prison without parole. A year and a half later, Scott Kammeyer reached the same agreement with prosecutors. in a statement before the court before being sentenced to life in prison, a tearful, Scott Kammeyer said this, quote, I'm sorry. My family has always been there for me. I was hardly ever there for them. I love my family. I just don't know what happened. I was wrong. Joel Henry was the only one of the three who went to trial. A Kern County jury found the dungeon master of this deadly reality game guilty for all three deaths. That same jury had the duty to also sentence the man they convicted. The death penalty was an option available to this jury, but they spared him. Joel Henry was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Today, almost 30 years after this tragedy, all three people responsible for this crime I'm happy to say, are still in prison. The Kammire's home is no longer there. It was bulldozed about a year after the triple murder. In its place, the SPCA built a non-residential building. Resources used to research this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the Los Angeles Times, and findagrave.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Have a good week.